there was a photo. It was like ten years ago, roughly today, that I, we were. I met you in Paris. It was like photos yeah. of the bull. That's not when we met. No, no, I know what you meant. When we we met. But I mean, when I met you, not met you. Oh for yeah, because we were looking at those emails. That was weird. What ten years? What to that you came over? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think you just walked into the bookshop because I remember saying to my colleagues, like, "What I stop saying, like, how do I do it?" I don't know. Just when you slow down, when you feel when approaching, just go to the word after it and miss it out. Uh, I remember telling my colleagues, "This friend is coming to visit. I haven't seen him for well. How long would it have been?" Not that long. Not that. It's just like it felt a long time when you were in your twenties. It was quite a long time. It was from two years is ten percent of your life. Well, it would have been from when we went to you. No, because we were we were in contact in uni because I found that letter from you. Saying how you'd written to someone in the Porter's Head fan club. Oh yeah, no, they'd written to me. Oh, they'd written to you? Yeah. I love that even your letters from then are all about internet things that were totally beyond me. Right. Um, and you sent me binary. <laughs> I had no idea what it meant. So some notes from a lecture. Um, but you said something like... Oh, I can't remember. I can't remember <laughs> what I was talking about now. <laughs> anyway, that would have been... So the end of uni... Yeah. Maybe we... I didn't hear from you. And then... So it's not that long, you're right. It would have been about five years. Was it? Seems like a lot happened to you, though. A lot happened to us both. Is this part of the show? I don't know. <laughs> you recorded <laughs> Don't keep saying that. I'm going to have to edit that out now. And me saying that. And yeah, me having a nice slurp. I'm going to have a slurp a minute. At the end, you can make a best bits, and it's just continually me going, is this part of the show? <laughs> this is like that whispering voice. Are we still talking? And me going... I don't know. Talking about personal things. Why don't I? This is a this is a thing though of me and you. Is that you're like a therapist? Like you will just eke out of people, like really intimate things without giving anything away about yourself. It's some kind of skill that you have, and I don't even know if you know you're doing it. You used to be known for it with our friends. Really? Yeah, where you'd like ask a lot of questions. I ask a lot of questions, and but you wouldn't ever answer any. So no, everyone would be like. We know nothing about what Jules is thinking about it, but you'd get everything from someone else. You'd be like, so what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Yeah. And then you'd evade if, if it was back on you. Oh, I just evade doing that. So I feel like I just yeah. uh, end up saying all these personal things and you're just... <laughs> <laughs> just like... Elusive. <laughs> yeah, that is a bit the way it is sometimes. Yeah. Maybe you can just um, analyse me. I can give dreams and you can analyse them. Uh, that could be good. Yeah, I mean, well, reading about Freud and Jung, it's interesting oh, yeah. the way they would apparently, they, they were sort of saying that a therapists back then, it was very big, you know, to just always be talking about your dreams with each other to get a better idea as to what they meant. With each other? The yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I think um, a lot of people forget, no, maybe they don't, maybe that's um, a condescending thing to say, but I do think generally sometimes kind of people pigeonhole uh, psychoanalysts because we've you forget how much they did for the for the profession and for science like freud was so amazing really you know obviously there were he gets reduced to this thing of like oh it's all about you paul and everything's about penis but it's not like his work on dreams is so seminal and it's so important and interesting i think the well the the thing also there's always I think it's interesting and difficult to sort of put everything else into context at the same time. 
you know, yeah. and you just sort of think about how like life has changed so much in the yeah, last hundred years. Uh, which is and mm. it's interesting. I mean, because of that, actually, that hundred years is like all the anniversaries that we're going through. So you know, we've yeah. recently been through the like the That's First true. World War, the end of the First World War, and um, and yeah, and so but also in terms of technology, you know, you have to remember, you know, things like that we just take like very basic things that we take for granted, like things like rubber and plastic. When yeah. I mean, rubber existed, but it wasn't kind of it was a pretty precious resource and was much less refined. Just found out there's a Jung club in London which was apparently oh. founded by Jung in 1922. Yes, yeah, so I was trying to read about, trying to back up what I was saying which was very vague because I've never really studied Jung. I've just kind of heard things, you know, read certain things and heard things secondhand but about his, the kind of controversy of uh, his theories um, and I mean it's all I couldn't find anything really concrete but essentially the ideas he had he just couldn't quite back them up I think mm. is the point but it doesn't I think most people think it then they're not refuting that that's true that we do have there are archetypes yeah what else did I find out that's it. Were, we, were we talking about a film at some point as well film Paper House? No. Oh, another film. Another film. The, the Science of Sleep. Oh! <laughs> I think. Oh, you were There was something. Oh, like yeah, that. that old chestnut. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen it, but I just recently watched Minute 8 and I thought <laughs> you might want to hear my thoughts. Sure. Minute 8 is still. Um, doesn't have much speaking in. No. It was, yeah, it was still quite a bit. So. I have it that he gets out the purple jacket that we see in the first scene with the big collar. Yes, the maroon knife, maroon, maroon suit. That's, yeah, and, and he tries it on and looks in the mirror, he's looking cool. Yeah, and so does this support your idea before where the first bit was a flashback then? No. Because if oh. the suit is in the flat, then the beginning bit it's a flash forward. where he's all well, flash Well, is it a flashback now? It's a flashback yeah, maybe, now. Well, yeah. it's, it's gone on too long. I think once you switch suit. scenes a few times you can't really be a flashback still. I think a flashback, huh? I don't know how you'd say it, but it has to be kind of like you go back, oh, see something, see. Yeah, but I mean, back to the present the time. time scale of it. Oh yeah, so I think we've gone back in time. Yeah. yeah. So we're ahead of... Yeah. Yeah. Well also, presumably if it's like dreams, that's his dream world, so it's kind of a different time anyway, because his yeah. dream world is... Actually, yeah, you're right. And if this is his dad's suit, which is what I'm guessing, because yeah, the I stuff is... Well. Yeah, so if it's his dad's suit, then in his dream he would be wearing it anyway because he's dreaming about his dad and it's all... Oh, so do you so think the whole first TV bit was a dream? You think the whole TV studio is a dream? Yeah. Oh. No, I think he is literally trying to do Because he's talking that. to his dad and he's like in a weird sort of yeah. world. But I feel that that's like the pivotal kind of point for him perhaps. So it's like that's why he chooses to start the dream, the, the film there because it's like this is where he begins his dream adventures. All right. But that that is happening in the real world. Oh. And that's we will later what, find like out what a... his dream discoveries are. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that suit thing apparently Gondry said he got the idea from well two things. One it's a Coppola Francis Ford Coppola thing where if you give um, a character a uniform then it's easier to edit because they're always wearing the same thing. But also it's just quite a nice uh, thing in a film yeah. like they just have their outfit right um and his band wee wee i think it's called as in yes not like doing a wee wee <laughs> <laughs> well although there's got to be something um 
is uh, that one of the members had wore his dad's suit for performances. Why did you look round? Like I don't know, I thought I heard it. Somebody noise. just entered the room. Yeah, yeah. I, did, I did as well. Ah. Um, but yeah. Well, so I thought it was a jacket, and then it turns out it's a full suit, and he lays it out on the floor with shoes. It doesn't fit him, though, does it? And he's quite small. Because yeah. isn't he, like, trying it on, and he lifts his arms, and it doesn't really yeah, fit that's him true. properly? Yeah, so he so is his dad must be even smaller, or maybe younger? Yeah, maybe it was smaller, though. I don't I mean, know, yeah, people tend to he's just quite get... tiny. Yeah, um, that can't be small, though, just because you're small. Yeah, he put he lays it on the floor, and this is... Where, and I'm going to play a clip of this, um, because this is just so funny <laughs> so cute and um so uh Gondry says that he's like oh yeah um I used to do that when I was when I was younger I used to lay out my clothes for the next day like they were a person on the floor <laughs> and then everyone else is like oh and he's like what is that not normal <laughs> like well I've never done it <laughs> it's like oh bless him you never did that, that uh, to that do good. Put your clothes as a character no, next I, to your bed. I never did that, but you did that, right? Yeah. When you were a kid. Yeah. Why? Okay. It's yeah to to you put uh, to put uh, the clothes on the floor like if they're a character. Never did that. No. Yeah, we did that with my brother. Like the clothes of the next morning, we put them on the floor with the shoes, and it looks like us the next day. <laughs> <laughs> no. That's not normal to do that. Yeah, no. I mean, it makes sense, but you know. I don't know. I never did it. But I remembered that um, Whitmore, yeah. or I think it was Tina, actually, used to... I think maybe it was Tina, when we all lived together. She did that, or they did that? They laid out their clothes for the next day, like, the whole thing on the floor, like the outfit with the shoes and the bottom and the top. <laughs> I mean, it's it makes sense cute. to some extent, so you get a bit of a picture of what it would look like. Yeah. Together, but... It does also just look like a person has disappeared and left behind their kind of clothes. Also, who has time and organisation yeah. to do yeah, stuff sure. like that? Yeah, I mean, I just um, grab my clothes as I'm getting ready. Wimmer, that's who he is very yeah. organised. Uh, I would never. I literally wake up ten minutes before I have to leave the house, grab the nearest things that are clean. Yeah, similar. Um, so he reaches into the pocket of mm. the jacket and pulls out and I'm not sure, is it an electric razor or is it a dictaphone? Yeah. I would oh, love I... it to be a dictaphone, but it looks probably I like thought it was a razor. Razor, yeah. That's what I wrote. So that probably has some kind of, you know, like... Because I think my dad had one the same. Right. It's like one of those old ones. It would seem... Chunky, battery, kind of more likely. Operated. Yeah. Um, so now it's dark. Alright, yeah. He gets into this really tiny, tiny child's bed. bed. He's shivering. Oh, is he shipping? I didn't know So it must be uh, oh, cold. Cool. And so we now must assume that it is his childhood room. Yeah, it's got, um, what's it got in there? It's got some fantastic drawings behind him. Yeah, and... Oh, he's got one of those rugs that I think I used to have. That's um, a oh, rug yeah. with roads painted on it so that you can play on it, like a play mat. But I always used to love it, it's really yeah. cool. So you can drive your toy cars on it. Yeah, I wrote that down as well, I thought, but I can't yeah. see it. I don't know. Okay. Um, what else have I written that he's got in his room? Uh, he's got a sombrero, I think I already said that, and a globe. Um, oh yeah, when he lies the suit down, he's on top of that rug. So he then he pulls on this string. Yeah, it's brilliant. 
which lifts up a rubber mallet and then when he lets go it falls down and whacks the light switch That's to turn it so off. good. But do you remember when I was younger I remember that I would want something like that because you didn't have bedside, well I didn't have bedside lamp Yeah. for some reason and I remember thinking it's really annoying you have to get up and turn the light off. So you always wanted some way, if you're like me, wanting to read in bed then I used to have a torch sometimes. But it's the kind of thing that I would like to invent, something that would turn the light off so you don't have to get out of bed. Yeah, I mean, it looks quite elaborate. We're not Mm. sure of the relative distances. So the the, the lever is right by his bed, but where we presume the light switch is maybe by the door. door. Yeah. Also, does this mean that there's a mallet in front of the light switch most of the time? Yeah. It presumably only works one way. It can't turn it on and off. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but you don't need it, do you? No, it's true. Well, you might if you wake up. For a nightmare in the middle of the night and you're scared. Um, Or that freaky alarm clock thing starts talking to you by accident in the middle of the night. Yeah. (laughs) Like a horror film. I I, I guess we would call this like a Heath Robinson contraption. Yeah, I thought Heath Robinson as well. Mm. And I think for Americans listening, the American. uh, (laughs) Or Canadian. Or Canadian. Well, we don't know, but in America they say MacGyver. As a, as this person who has oh. some sort of ingenious little. But MacGyver was a detective. Yeah, I think he is, but I think he also he sets oh. up all these kinds of like funny little kind of contraptiony things. Oh, okay. Was Professor Brainstorm? Or is it someone else? There's some. Maybe is it Professor MacGyver. Brainstorm English then? I don't know. I've never. I don't know if you've seen. Oh it. no, Just you didn't say Americans Professor Brainstorm. You said Heath Robinson. Yeah, Heath Robinson. That is Professor Brainstorm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I actually. Heath Robinson, I think. Oh yeah. no, it's Rube Goldberg. That's what I mean. Rube Sorry. Goldberg. Yes. I haven't even heard of. Him. Yeah, people say Rube Goldberg machine, meaning yeah, something okay. sort of like wacky. So who was Rube Goldberg? Things. He was an American cartoonist. Who ah. Oh, so that is actually much more similar to Heath Robinson. Okay. Yeah, yeah, a similar contrivance is referred to as a Heath Robinson contraption. Yeah, they're brilliant. I saw an exhibit of uh, Heath Robinson oh, wow. drawings at the Dulwich Picture Gallery some oh, cool. years ago. Oh, I'd like to. Interesting. It's a good gallery you would recommend to visit. Yeah. Um, um, also, yeah, very, very Gondry. Like, I can imagine that he did stuff like that when he yeah, was little. Absolutely. I bet he did. Yeah. And probably just still does. making things. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> His room is just full of... Yeah, because, like, he has... I mean, it, it seems like, yeah, there's so much of it is just his own kind of childhood, yeah. sort of childish imagination goes into these things. Yeah. And so this kind of craft, you know, sort of child craft kind of ways of making and thing. Yeah, in the interview I was just listening to, the person said, your characters are often a bit um, apart, like um, outside outsiders, I think. And he said that he always felt, yeah, he definitely was a bit of an outsider and, and like made things with his brothers and with his friends and sort of put together yeah sort of contraptions and things um he also had this great anecdote about how (laughs) i didn't fully understand the last bit of the french but i think he's saying that he lived uh a little distance from his school and (laughs) he (laughs) him and a friend thought that they should because you had to arrive um through this sort of forest and then there was like a field behind their school and they decided to impress girls that they should arrive every day to school running, like running across the field like they're like some kind of hero, like da da da. And then he said, but then when it snowed, you couldn't see, you couldn't access the field anyway, so no one could see you coming. So it would be totally 
wasted. This is the pointless things that never worked. I mean, it sounds like pointless anyway, doesn't it? <laughs> no, it's quite cool though. Yeah, so then he goes to sleep. And um, so then we're in the next morning, right? Yeah. And so we're now, at Republic, yeah, which scene. is where, well, presumably. Oh, you recognise it? No. Oh. But that's what the mum said in the message where the job is. Oh, wow, you're picking this up. I don't right, know right. if it actually is there. Yeah, no, I had a quick look on, on the on maps. Um, I mean, it's very... From above? Very Parisian. Do you think it is? Yeah, because it's Why? got these little sort of silly posts that are just all mm. over the place. Like, in the middle of the street, there's weird things, because it feels like in Paris, you know, there are what rules. What was that? It was just the cat headbutt in the door or something. The cat? Oh, so the cat's behind me, which is... Um, and, uh, but it does feel like, you know, you like things like maybe, you know, because there's so many of those little um, bollards everywhere, does it mean that if there isn't a bollard, you can just park there? It seems like perhaps that's no. how it goes, because, you know, they, they seem to be everywhere, nuts. because they sort of assume if it's not there, perhaps, that you are... I do feel it's weird, like, this sounds really stupid and obvious, like, when I picked this film, it was just because you were doing stuff about dreams, and I was trying to find something that we could both watch... Mm. But I hadn't anticipated A, the speaking and listening to French again and B, like it bringing up all these memories of Paris which I wasn't quite prepared for I mean, they're not bad it's just, uh, yeah, it's like really uh, reminding me and I, had, I hadn't thought about it for a while <laughs> um, but I don't know about driving in Paris Driving? Well, that's what you were saying about parking Oh yeah, just the, oh, it's more that, yeah, that there's uh... There's, you know, those bollards everywhere. To, and I mean, people do kind of park anywhere. It's definitely a bit mm, yeah. awkward, isn't it? Yeah. So then uh, we cut to inside. And then this is a little bit of a kind well, of... Well, he's running down the street with his portfolio. He's running with his, with his portfolio and his hat's... So it sounds like it's, it's... you know Maybe he just runs everywhere, but otherwise we assume... No, because he's got to meet this appointment that his mum's made for him. Oh, I for see. For this job. Oh, so this is for a job. Right, yeah. right. That makes a lot and of sense. And he said to the Guardian... I'm an illustrator and he right. has got this portfolio. Right, right. So he thinks he's going for this job of illustrating. So he, and then you cut to Alan Shabbat and I was looking him up because um, he's quite probably in England, no one knows who he is, but he's big actor and comedian, more comedian, known for being comedian really in France. But uh, he used to do this comedy program called Les Nuls, um, which is like the idiots. Okay. And it was from right late 80s to early 90s. And I used to watch it. It was when I was starting to be able to speak French. And I watched. <laughs> I started watching them again last night. And they're, they're so <laughs> childish. But I just... It's weird because... Um, I mean, humour doesn't translate very well, does it? It's quite hard to French translate humour. And French humour is like... <laughs> it's really... Yeah, it's really kind of silly like lots of sort of dick jokes and I mean also it's the time like that I think a lot of comedy from that time it's kind of a not aged that well but I still found it really funny and I maybe I don't know if that's because it's in French but it's this very kind of stupid humor where it's just oh, I don't know I can't explain it there's a particular kind he's got that very French like kind of cheeky uh, baseline humor and you kind of if you know that, then his character kind of makes a bit more sense because he's just a dick like this right, character. Right. Okay. Um, but anyway, he's wearing Stefan's hat, 
Yeah, I put that as well. Which yeah, makes no sense, but apparently there was a scene cut where he was trying to impress some girl and he pretended that he was bald because she likes bald men, so he has to put on Stefan's hat to pretend that he's bald. But they cut it, so there's just it's inexplicable. He's oh. just wearing his hat. I, I thought maybe they were sort of friends before, and so he's just like, oh, hey, oh. good to see you, and takes his hat and puts it on. But yeah, okay, so it's just a weird intake. Yeah. Um, and what's he... Does he say anything? Oh, yeah, he says one thing. He says, oh, okay, because you are new, you have to choose... And this is this word, con, in French, which I'm not sure how rude it is. So I don't know what they translate it to in the subtitles. But he says you have to choose between your... Choose your wanker. Oh, or right. idiot. Right. Con. I mean, they say it a lot. I don't know if it's as rude as wanker. How's it spelled? Uh, C-O-N, I think. Okay. Um, and so, and then he gestures towards these two co-workers, and that's the end of the scene, right? Yeah. Is that what you hear? Um. Ooh. I think... Yeah, he gives a bunch of rude... Yeah, and I'm not quite sure... There could be tons of stuff. ...how rude it is. I think it's just kind of like idiot, but it's stronger than idiot. Yeah. Like, we might say wanker. Like, wanker's not that strong. But it's a bit ruder. Well, they have it as translations of... I mean, you wouldn't say it... <laughs> in Google, we might as well. Like, we said we were going to do with the swear words, so here we go. So in Google, it translates as cunt, prick, arsehole... Whoa, it's definitely not cunt. Pussy, twat, bugger, sod, shithead, <laughs> turd, pillock, shit arse, and Pillock is such a good, like, 80s insult. And also the adjective bloody. So Yeah, I think you can, like... But... But all of these have other words as well, and it's not. It's the, definitely not as strong as cunt. The the, the one that I it said is that really slowly. For is arsehole and pillock mm. and plonk. Arsehole. So it sounds like maybe it isn't super strong. Yeah, but it's quite rude. Yeah. I'm eating a crepe, just to be French. Okay. <laughs> just to get the just eating sound sounds sound. in. Get a bit of cham going. <laughs> Sorry. Um. Mm. Okay, so do we think he's going to take this job? We're not clear what the job is, but the job is something in a printer's. We're going to hear more about it. Yeah, we it. don't know. Okay. But he looks like a bit of an idiot, doesn't he, this guy? Does he say his name? Yeah. It's hard to say, because it was, it was the first... I mean, he's saying choose a wanker. Yeah. I think he's saying it like, you know, when you play a game, like, choose your fighter. Right. Choose between your... Yeah. I have to lean away from the microphone to <laughs> microphone. The microphone will always pick up the chewing noise. Oh no. It was just too tempting. Quick, say something. <laughs> I think we should end it there, just with the sound of you chewing. Really? Yeah. We'll have nothing uh, more. Next minute will be uh, mastication free. <laughs> Goodbye, listener. See you next minute.